This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Day 22 of the UAW strike, and Sean Fain, the president of the union, is going to make a big announcement today. Fain posted this mysterious meme yesterday on X. It shows three people with the corporate logos of GM, Ford, and Stellantis on their faces and a couple of roses on the table in front of them. The caption says to tune in at 2 p.m. today to see who gets the rose. That's, of course, a reference to the television program The Bachelorette and The Bachelor, where a participant hands out a rose to each eligible bachelor or bachelorette that they're interested in at the end of each episode. The one who does not get a rose is kicked off the show. For one thing, it's really curious to see that Fane would use Elon Musk's social media platform to post this. Musk is hyper anti-UAW. And for another, what the heck does this post mean? Do automakers get roses because they made more concessions? Does that mean that they get spared for more plant closings? I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But all this shows that Sean Fain is a master at getting his message out and is running circles around the car companies. Meanwhile, Ford says that the strike has now affected 18,700 workers who are on strike or are laid off, including 9,500 who work at suppliers that supply to Ford. So far, the Detroit Three still have enough inventory on hand to ride out the strike. Dodge, Chrysler, Lincoln, Ram, and Jeep all have over 100 days supply, and almost all the other D3 brands have at least two months supply, except Cadillac and Chevrolet. Cadillac has 47 days, while Chevy has 57. Although the Silverado pickup has 90 days supply, according to Cox Automotive. So, the shorthand version of this is that Stellantis has the most inventory to ride out the strike, while General Motors is the most vulnerable. Cox Automotive also makes an important point. Import brands like Honda, Toyota, Kia, and Subaru have very low levels of inventory. So, they're not going to be able to take advantage of the strike to sell a lot more cars and trucks. We want to know what drives your testing. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. All the legacy automakers are racing to develop software-defined vehicles, that is, vehicles that are mostly controlled by software. And Renault is taking a unique approach to speed up its digital transformation. It spent 26 million euros constructing a special building with super-thick concrete floors to house a massive vehicle simulator that it says is probably the most powerful in the world. The huge dome on top is large enough to fit an entire car, and the whole platform can articulate and move in every direction enough to exert up to one G-force. Renault engineers can simulate road types, traffic, interactions with other vehicles, weather, time of day, and even more. Whatever they learn, fix, or update in the simulator could then be sent out to other models as a software update. NHTSA's feud with airbag supplier Arc Automotive continues. 
Yesterday, the safety agency held a public meeting where it again argued that 52 million airbag inflators made by ARC and Delphi Automotive need to be recalled because they're defective. But ARC disagrees that there's a safety defect and so far has refused to recall the inflators. There have been seven injuries and one death in the U.S. caused by the airbag inflators rupturing during a crash. Of the 52 million inflators, 11 million were made by Delphi, which is now owned by AutoLeave under a licensing agreement with ARC. The inflators are installed in vehicles from 12 automakers. And if NHTSA decides to issue a recall, ARC can challenge it in federal court. However, NHTSA could also go to court to force an automaker to comply. Well, this is bad news for other EV makers. Tesla cut prices of the Model 3 and Y in the U.S. again. The base and long-range versions of the Model 3 get a $1,250 price cut, while the Model 3 performance is now $2,250 cheaper. And the Model Y long-range and performance models get a $2,000 cut. The base Model 3 now starts just over $40,000, and the long-range Model Y starts just over $50,000. Both prices include destination charges. Tesla's third-quarter sales were down 7% from the previous quarter, but the company blamed that on factory upgrades that disrupted production. Tesla says it expects to sell 1.8 million vehicles globally this year, up from 1.3 million last year. Toyota is expanding the Crown lineup from the one version that it offers today to not two, not three, but four different models. The one today is what it calls the crossover type. It's also now accepting orders for the Sport Hybrid, which launches in November. Toyota calls it an SUV, but I'd say it's more like a high-riding wagon. A sedan version of the Crown will come in November as well. And finally, the Crown Estate, which is what I'd call the SUV of the group, launches before the end of the fiscal year, which in Japan is March 31st of 2024. While the interior of the new Crown Sport is the same as the current car, the front-end styling is more like the new Prius, and it also gets its own lighting signature for the rear. Initially, it will be available with a 2.5-liter hybrid system, but a PHEV version is coming around December. As of right now, we're not sure if Japan is the only market for these models. But I find it hard to believe that Toyota's home market could support enough sales to justify four separate crown models. Speaking of Toyota, Calti, which is its design hub in California, revealed a baby Lunar Rover concept. It blends design cues from the original FJ Cruiser with new technology like airless tires, in-wheel hub motors, and dual joystick control. I'm not exactly sure why it came out with the concept, but it also showed off some never-before-seen concepts from its past, some of which are really cool. So, I'm not complaining one bit. And we'll be sure to provide a link if you'd like to check it out for yourself. Sourcing raw materials to make batteries in North America is ramping up quickly. In five years, 42% of the anode, 63% of the cathode, 72% of the key metals, 
and 100% of the electrode will be sourced in the U.S., Canada, or Mexico. That's one of the findings that came out of the North American International Propulsion Conference that's organized by the SAE every year. The annual conference attracts many of the top powertrain executives in the industry. And speaking of raw materials, global demand for aluminum is expected to increase 40% by 2030 and 80% by 2050. But in the U.S., aluminum production is on the decline, caused in part by volatile prices of fossil fuels. That's why Ford, General Motors, Rivian, and other companies like Pepsi sent a letter to U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm urging the Biden administration to use investments from the Inflation Reduction Act to expand production of American-made clean aluminum. The companies say that sustainably made aluminum will help them reach their carbon-neutral goals while helping keep the U.S. aluminum industry alive. But that brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks for making AutoLine a part of your day, and I hope that you have a great weekend. AutoLine Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game. And by Scheffler, we pioneer motion. At Scheffler, we pioneer motion. Electrifying mobility. Manufacturing smarter. Reducing CO2 emissions. Making energy production clean. Scheffler pioneers motion to advance how the world moves. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.